You are now tuned into anything potable. The most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause. Like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even. Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. Your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year, band of 12 plus 6 here. Carson that was top rookie, I'm saying it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> hey Jay, I, I see you, man. She. Welcome to Anything Is Portable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, joined as always by the kid, the god, the least talented king brother. That's right, Celtics beat reporter for the Athletic, Jay <laughs> King, uh, joining us in uh, the off day in between games one and game two. I say that I insult his character um, mostly to give a big ups to his um, his brothers who replaced me in the game one podcast uh, after the Celtics huge win on Sunday. That was a major uh, upgrade in the podcast. It was wild because I like I listened to it and I really couldn't tell which brother was speaking at which time. But it was uh, yeah, no, all three of you guys know basketball extremely well. Uh, I like that they refer to themselves and the Celtics collectively as we. That was some I like, fantastic I like that stuff. Too. I, I wasn't prepared for that. And then they they just threw it in there. But huge shout outs to them for uh, filling in. Much appreciated. That being said, I did miss game one. And so later in this episode, um, you I'm missed half ch- of game one. That's right. I watched the first half uh, with the sound off trying to, um, you know, just prep for the LSAT. But, you know, it. Uh, so I got, we'll see what I got. I'm going to test you. I'm going to ask you some questions just to make sure I'm caught up to speed. But first, uh, there was some news today. The Celtics, Brad Stevens had a press conference um, and mentioned that, one, the Celtics had a 12-minute practice, which I thought was interesting. That was fantastic. He's <laughs> like, yeah, Kemba did everything at practice, all 12 minutes. <laughs> so he's, uh, Kemba is apparently good to go. He was shaken up a little bit with his uh, knee with the sound off, it looked like more of a hip, but I don't know. It's apparently it was a knee, according to Twitter. But what happened there, Jay? Uh, he just tweaked his knee a little bit, is how he put it, and he was fine. I don't think that's a big deal. It, but at the at the time when you saw Kemba limping limping off the court, all the knee issues that he's had, as well as he's played recently, as well as the Celtics need him need him to play, that was a dramatic moment. And it was it was nice for the Celtics that it doesn't seem like a big deal. The other thing we've heard today from Brad is that Gordon Hayward will be returning to the bubble at some point in the near future. And according to you, uh, according to Brad, I believe his gait is not regular. He's got an irregular gait. I wasn't prepared for the gate talk today. It's gate gate. <laughs> gate gate. Yeah. <laughs> and but but it's it's two weeks out right now from. Hayward's injury. He's supposed to be able to come back in another couple weeks and his gait still isn't right. Brad did say he's feeling better, but he said 
he said he's probably going to come back to the bubble soon. But even when he comes back to the bubble, he's expect he's not expected to be able to play for a little while. So, did anyone not- ask a follow up question about what it meant for his gait not to be right? Does that mean he still has a limp? He's still not walking like a normal his, person. His gate, his gate. He didn't ask open. a follow up. Not one person said, "Excuse me, Brad, what do you mean by that?" The door to the fence will not open. <laughs> you said that was that, a bad gate that, joke. That was a great gate joke. Don't <laughs> got to give yourself more credit because that was fantastic. Um, but I think that's good news for the Celtics. I guess halfway through his injury, and you hopefully the, the swelling will go down. The Celtics, with a kind of demonstrative game one victory over the Raptors, clearly have their sights set on. Um, moving on, and I think Gordon Hayward's going to be important. So the fact that he's planning to come back to the bubble, I think, is a good sign. Um, hopefully, we can check in on his gate maybe later in the week and see if the gate is he has improved. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see about the gate, but I, I mean, the sellers are playing so well right now. But the difference between Gordon Hayward minutes and Shemi Ojale minutes, Romeo Langford minutes, Grant Williams minutes. It's just huge, man. And so as quick as quickly as he gets back, like that is that is much better for them. This gate. The gate so, news isn't great. The one thing I'm worried about is and this is I don't know if this is rational, but at the start of last season, Hayward was supposedly healthy, but he clearly didn't look a hundred percent and they kind of forced him into the starting lineup. Is there any risk of like playing Hayward? Um, when he's not fully back and kind of hurting the chemistry or play, playing him at less than 100%. This is um, a sprained ankle, man. It, it's not a devastating injury. I didn't. It, I said I said it was irrational, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, no. I, and, and here's the thing. Even when he's at full strength, he's the fourth option in the starting lineup. So it's it's not like he's a high-usage guy. He's a pretty low-usage guy. The, the biggest thing where they miss him right now, I think, is – just another guy to to play make for the bench and and he could come back and be the sixth man and kind of play 25 minutes a game especially if you have a three-point sharpshooter Marcus Smart just playing as well as he did in game one and I'll use that to transition to a, a new segment called does Jam understand the internet correctly and does he understand what happened in game one yeah let's let's um, have you try to guess what happened okay so Marcus Smart played out of his mind, was 21 points, and was knocking down corner threes. How did that happen? He was wide open in the corner a lot. And as Marcus Smart does, he just kind of got hot. Every once in a while, Marcus Smart gets hot. Uh, but but in this case, the Raptors, like they they force or allow more corner threes than most. The Celtics took advantage of that. I don't think it was a coincidence at all that he's he only made 21 threes all season. Didn't make a corner thing. threes, corner, corner threes. threes all season. Did not make a single corner three in the first round. This is a different series. They spotted him up in the corner. He was launching away. But there's one play I remember seeing where he made a corner three coming oh, off it, a ball screen. Like that was ridiculous. That was the one. That was that was not a spot up. That one was classic Marcus Smart heat check from the corner. And uh sometimes his heat checks go in. And when he's having a good Marcus Smart night, that's what like is going to need to happen for the Celtics to be good. I think the other big takeaway for me is that the Raptors cannot score in half court offense. Like they just, it, like it looked like they just, if it wasn't in transition, 
uh, it was like either a Serge Ibaka three or it was just not great. And I'm looking at the box score. It looked like Fred Van Vliet, your main man, had a real bad night knocking down or just open shots. But even without kind of those uh, open looks, the Raptors offense just doesn't like it's in the half court when it's slowed down is not a thing of beauty. They're just they struggle to get like quality looks. Yeah. And when your three best players are as bad as Kyle Lowry, Van Vliet, and Siakam were in game one, it's going to be really tough to score. Uh, Siakam, what'd you get? What'd you find about his post moves? Did oh, awful. The Siakam yeah. post up? What did you hear about the Siakam post up? I mean, I watched the first half with the sound on. When the sound on, I didn't need Doris Burke telling me that they were terrible uh, post moves. They were just, he just wasn't good. They kept on forcing the ball to him. I didn't understand like I just it wasn't clear how the Raptors were really trying to attack the Celtics or like what the mismatch they were going for what the general strategy was other than uh Siakam isolated on sometimes Jalen Brown sometimes Marcus Smart but it just didn't seem like it worked and uh Spicy P is that his nickname he's definitely he's not playoff P he certainly wasn't playoff P in game one but he wasn't good and those are bars thank you thank you but he did it just didn't look like the Raptors were like doing anything and even when Serge Ibaka made threes or Gasol took threes it felt like a kind of a win for the Celtics defense like that's not the necessarily the best shot for the Raptors yeah and I mean that that was the Raptors the biggest concern about the Raptors coming into the series how do they score against the Celtics defense in the half court game one didn't go well for them um, and especially on that front, they they could have made more shots, but the Celtics really, really limited the easy buckets in the half court. And I mean, the Celtics offense was was not efficient. They they really didn't have an efficient game. And but they did. Were, they were crazy from three, right? Like it seemed like what they knocked down seventeen threes. They hit a bunch of threes, but twenty two turnovers. The, I think their offensive efficiency was one hundred five point seven, which would have finished twenty ninth in the league over the course Sheesh. of the regular season. So they, it wasn't very efficient. Um, the Raptors defense did the job, but and it was still a blowout. So, so that's that's what the part where I don't get, because you think of the Raptors as this very good team in transition. And if the Celtics are turning the ball over that many times now, also today, there's discrepancy. The league says the uh, Raptors only had seven fast break points. Brad Stevens keeping his own stats, saying it was a bad game for the official scorer says the Raptors had 30 fast break points. Well, fast break points are they're the dumbest. It's it's not a real stat. It's not tracking transition points. I forget what like does the, it track? It, it, the exact I think definition of fast break. It was like points. something within like certain number of seconds of the actual turnover where it doesn't do the full possession. So, yeah, I would trust right. Brad Stevens statistics, but how does uh Toronto score 30 points in transition? And have it not make a, like a, a that much of an impact? Is there there was their half court offense that bad? It was pretty bad. Uh, and then <laughs> the other part, of the, the Celtics transition defense wasn't as bad as as Brad s- said it was. It it's very clear that's that's one of his main emphases for this series. He he wants everybody back. And and I mean, considering how many turnovers they had, they really were hustling back. They really were limiting the Raptors. They they did a pretty good job. I, there was one play, classic Marcus Smart. Got ripped and then ripped it right back. Like, is that the one that led to the Time Lord windmill? Yep. Does anyone do that more than Marcus Smart? Like, just follow a turnover by just punking someone. 
Well, that's when Marcus Smart's at his strongest is when he's either struck in the face or testicles or has made a mistake because it feels like he gets into a different gear. Now, the question for me, for you, is why do the Celtics have that many turnovers? Uh, I saw some and you guys talked about you and your brothers talked about kind of the zone uh, giving the Celtics problems. Was it sloppy passing? Was it something the Raptors were doing? What was the reason for that many turnovers? You didn't you didn't gather that Daniel Tice was making some weird passes. I I you I saw he was I heard he was smoking bunnies. I didn't know he was uh, turning the ball over as Danny, well. too many turnovers. Oh man. <laughs> he was <laughs> he yeah, he, he missed he missed some bunnies. He made some weird passes on the interior. That because was of the part zone, of because of like uh, just how they were like defending him, like yeah, they, people they, they fly around. It, it almost felt like he was feeling footsteps, you know, like like he could hear the footsteps and he was just kind of spooked that so many guys were recovering to him at the same time and wasn't very decisive about what he was doing. He had a stretch where it was just like Daniel Tice, that he's normally a lot more solid than this. So I think he that still was, had 15 rebounds though, 15 of them. 15 of them. It so was, was he just I mean, doing it all in defensive end? Was he just like he, Danny, he, he Danny defense? Nice, he had a nice defensive game. He was, uh, I mean, he was solid as usual like that, but he, he was a major part of the turnover issue. And then Fred Van Vliet, my guy, was just out there getting deflections, out there making steals. You would stand up for Fred Van Vliet after he goes three of 16 and scores 11 points. My guy was minus 28. Game low minus 28 in My his. My guy uh, was forcing turnovers, though, Packard. 38 so, minutes. Yeah. He did I, have six steals. Okay. That's pretty impressive. The, the, the one stat that stood out as I poured through the statistics um, today the Celtics had a 73 offensive rating during the 16 minutes Kemba Walker sat on the bench. Sheesh. So that, that, that makes was, it sound like Jason. I don't know what the rotations are, but that makes it sound like Jason Tatum wasn't good because he's normally the first the guy half, he, was, he was rough. It was rough. It was it was like one of those games at the beginning of the season when you wonder if he just forgot how to play basketball a little bit. Where he's just like his layups are way off and his floaters are nothing and he's just it's just all bad news bears. Yeah, and he and, and he's, he's just doing some like, weird shit. Like and he's thinking like, he gets fouled every single time. Yeah, sort of like that. So that that was the first half when when you were watching, but he he was much much better in the second half. Um, the the ball pressure, like Kemba was just beating the ball pressure. And obviously the Raptors, their guards are really small and they have to kind of get up into guys. Um, but Kem- Kemba was just beating them and finding the open guy. And, but when Kemba wasn't on the court, it was ugly. And I think part of that was the zone defense. They had a stretch where they just couldn't score against the zone. But part of it too was just Kemba was really good and not many other guys were offensively. Live sports are back. It's very possible that we may see an NBA playoff matchup between the Clippers and the Nuggets. That's why our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure your Nuggets are as safe as possible when that matchup happens. Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. I know Packard likes to keep his balls tight and clean. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool. For the modern man like him. Because of their their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with a new and improved lawnmower, waterproof, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, which are so damn comfortable, 
and a travel bag for you to use when we're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. The Crop Preserver is anti-chafing ball deodorant. Nobody likes it better than when you smell beautiful down there. The Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. Again, that get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC20. Take your grooming game to the next level. Okay, so I've also saw a lot of tweets coming out of this game that were like, wow, Time Lord is athletic machine, but man, does he make a lot of mistakes, but he kind of makes up for it. And so I see he was five of five. I like saw the highlights of a number of his dunks. I remember one play where Marcus Smart was basically playing his guy at baseline, expecting Robert Williams to be there. I think it was OG and there Robert Williams was absolutely not there and OG got a dunk. So what was going on with uh, the Time Lord other than Doris Burke shouting out the nickname Time Lord on national television? Bobo is Bobo, is, <laughs> is how I'd put it. Just Bobo being Bobo. Just, just like not knowing where to go on defense? Just, just running around. Some of it was was maybe scout stuff. Like he just didn't really realize that Serge Ibaka could shoot a couple of times. Um, yeah, there was – Jumping too much? Did he bite on pump fakes? Like what was – It wasn't was really biting on pump fakes. It was more like like just not always exactly where he was supposed to be. So, but I mean, he was still pretty impactful and, and I, I don't want to take away from what was actually a pretty good Robert Williams game, but there were just some plays when you just scratch your head, like, like what, why is this guy just in the wrong spot? Like what? And why is he so far away from being in the right <laughs> spot? So but was, that being said, it seems like he had a, like a pretty impactful game on the offensive end. Um, and he's definitely someone you want out there instead of, Cantor is like it didn't seem like the Raptors were able to like if you put Cantor on the floor that's immediate offensive efficiency for the Toronto Raptors like they put him in pick and roll and they can get into a flow at least with like Time Lord it's Serge Ibaka shooting threes rather than like Kyle Lowry or Van Vliet attacking the rim yeah I mean he was largely pretty good and their offense with him like he he's a force on the roll in a way that other Celtics aren't so he put a lot of pressure on the Raptors and the Raptors like when Gasol is engaged in pick and roll coverage they've got a lot of smaller guys that are helping and so on the help side Robert Williams is just kind of cutting through everybody and and dunking my man my man can dunk he does possess the ability to make like kind of that cross court pass on the on the short roll. I think I remember him doing that once or twice. He's like his passing Dime Lord is there, so it does give him some of that dynamic. Now I'm looking over the box score now, and something that this jumped out to me. I heard nothing about this guy. I don't remember him doing anything in the first half that I watched. Twenty eight minutes for Brad Wanamaker. He just was solid, just solid Brad Wanamaker. Did it like he knocked down two threes? So that's like all you talk about is the uh, the Celtics bench making three pointers. They got three from uh, in total, two from Wanamaker, one from Oshelay. Uh, 
what was the like was the you but you also said that the offense was pretty terrible with when Kemba Walker was on the bench. What did the Celtics get from guys like Wanamaker and Ojale in game one? I mean, they they were out on the court. They were they, there. They knocked down a 28 minutes. That's a that's a, he was the played a lot more than Daniel Tice. He played the fifth most minutes for the Celtics. And you can't tell me anything more than Brad about Brian Wanamaker other than he was there. I enjoyed seeing him and Lowry matched up against each other. Just two tough, tough. Philly, Philly dudes, you have a, you have a soft spot in your heart for Philly ball players. Well, th- those two dudes have maximized their talent, man. Like, like Lowry should not be <laughs> a how many times, to- however many time All Star. Like, he shouldn't. He just shouldn't. But he is, and he deserves it. And he might end up in the Hall of Fame one day. And and Wanamaker like. Wanamaker was like a six four power forward in college. Wanamaker has had actually like a meteoric rise from basically where he was in Europe to now being a solid contributor on a playoff team. It's pretty wild how much he's kind of been on that grind and just like he he's the freaking Kaizen All Star, basically just yeah. like consistently getting better for his entire career. It's it's actually insane when you look at his like all like the terrible european leagues he started in and then just like kept on getting better in europe and then eventually being like a solid nba role player it's kind of wild one of my favorite stories uh i don't think i ever ended up writing about this but when marcus morris was like 10 years old he and markeith his twin brother weren't even the best twin brothers in north philly because brad wanamaker and his brother i think brian I mean, you got to have a B name. if you're They were the best. Wins. And and they whipped the Morris brothers ass so bad one day that Marcus Morris started crying. <laughs> and and the, ne- the next day he uh, he was out on the track, like like running, getting better. So some would argue that Brad Wanamaker turned Marcus Morris into the player he is today. Is turned him into the same guy who just takes multiple cheap shots against Luka Doncic in a series. I will not stand for Marcus Morris slander. Uh, it's not slander because it seems pretty accurate. <laughs> no, nah, it was it was a judo chop. It was just a couple, just just a couple of judo chops. <laughs> judo chops aren't cheap in the J King playbook, but uh, okay. <laughs> that was that was uh, at least borderline. All right, before we we round out this episode uh, by re ranking the top ten players in the series, yeah, we're redrafting I, the top ten. players. We got to redraft. Um, but I think a one thing that has a major impact on that is. Uh, Pascal Siakam, what, had three fouls in the first quarter? The Raptors had 11 fouls. How much of that was a bad whistle? How much of that is just like Raptors playing aggressive? Um, And do you think that had a big impact on the game or is it like more of the other things we talked about? I think that had a huge impact on the game. The Celtics, I think they took 12 or 13 free throws in the first quarter. Siakam picked up three fouls in the first eight minutes. Nick Nurse was talking with his hands in front of his face look because he's that worried about people so I, uh, reading I lips. I couldn't tell whether that was because the the lip reading thing or because the mask. You know, like he didn't have a mask on and he was trying to, to No, use, I use I thought that was a, like mask. rip leading. Like I don't know. I, I it just tell. was weird. It was I very bizarre. Tell. But Nick he was Nurse. screaming at the refs. He was not pleased. He was not a happy man. He was not. Um so yeah, I think that was that was a big deal. I I don't think it was necessarily like a bad bad whistle, but I do think the refs in the bubble have called it pretty tight, and they continue to call it pretty tight. Um, and the Celtics they outplayed the Raptors, but also 
the foul situation, especially in the first quarter, helped help propel the Celtics into uh, a nice nice little lead. And, and but if you look at up. the if you look at the totals, though, the Celtics actually ended up with twenty one free throws attempted, and the Raptors twenty nine. So like it feels like the whistle kind of balanced itself out, but the they did jump out to that big lead and never really gave it up. So. We'll see moving forward. I'm guessing Scott Foster, Tony Brothers will be in uh, game two, you know, just to make things interesting. This is the NBA. But let's round out this episode. We've had one game of Celtics Raptors, and we got to <laughs> we got to re-rank the, the top 10 players in the series. Now, if you remember last time, we had uh, a couple tiers. Uh, there was uh, Jason Tatum at number one. Uh, has that changed? Is Jason Tatum still the best player in the series, Jay? I'm ready to put Kemba at the top. Above Jason Tatum. So uh, Jason Tatum is a better player. Let me just state that loud and clear. He's a better player. This is more like a power ranking for this series type of thing in my eyes. And Kemba's in his own tier? Kemba is the number one that holds the belt? Kemba's in his own tier right now. And I do do think Tatum, not that he'll like really struggle. And he didn't really struggle after the first quarter or so in game one. But the Raptors' physicality impacted him. The but Raptors he can shoot over like the those smaller guys. Like yeah, he did but... hit that buzzer beater at the end of the third. Like he, he I mean, like, it wasn't great. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying I, it just feels weird that it impacts him that much. He's so yeah. tall. He's so long. Like he had that breakaway steal for a dunk. It feels like the Kyle Lowry and his giant dumper shouldn't have that much of an impact on him. Yeah, and and. I'm only putting Kemba at the top because of uh, just just have a little fun, <laughs> but but I, I do I do think that the Raptors will make things pretty tough on Tatum in this series. I'm not sure they can make things as tough on Kemba. the The most impressive thing about Kemba to me is like you can't bother him on the dribble, like. No, there's no you can't physical him because he's too fast for that. You can't you can't like slow him down just by being like bigger or stronger or getting into his body. There's just he's too fast. Yeah. Too furious. Too furious. <laughs> no, I, and I, I I think if if he continues to get into the paint like he did and make the right decisions like he did in game one, then he's gonna be a real problem for the Toronto defense this this series. All right, power rankings coming in at number two. In a tier below Kemba Walker, who do you have? Jason Tatum. Jason, Jason Tatum. Tatum. A solo tier for, for Jason Tatum today. Another solo who's, tier. Who's still the Celtics' best player, but number two in these rankings. All right, so number three. we In the tier before, we had Kyle Lowry, Siakam, and Jalen Brown. Um, are they still in the same tier together? Who are you, who are you putting together? Siakam need, needs to fall. Siakam right. needs to fall. Or uh, Kyle Lowry at three. Jason I'm, out, I'm, I'm out on Siakam. Siakam, I was ready to overlook the inefficiency for a while, but I, I just can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. Jalen Brown has become a really good shooter. Jalen Brown has become a volume shooter. Jalen Brown, I, I'm ready to put him and Kyle Lowry above Siakam. So we got Lowry and Jalen Brown. In the middle tier, tier tier three. Here's the question. Are you so low on Siakam that Marcus Smart or Fred Van Vliet has uh, jumped Siakam as well? If you're selling Siakam stock, are you selling it completely? No, no. He's solidly at five? And 
Siakam will have much better game. I, I, I want to put Marcus Smart for hitting that many corner threes and uh, hitting a corner three off the dribble off a ball screen uh, up there and being a plus, what, was it 27 in his 30 minutes? He was just insane. But you know, you're not ready to do that? I mean, I have to defer to you because I did not have full coverage of game one. So this is the J. King power ranking. Um. I, I got to go with Siakam. And I, 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 I'm, messing, I'm messing around that I'm out on Siakam. I, I do think, like, some of the post-ups, even though the sellers can make it tough, even though I'm not sure I would post him up against the guys that they posted him up against, he just he just blew some bunnies. <laughs> sometimes you smoke some bunnies, sometimes the bunnies smoke you. You know, it's uh, sometimes these things happen. But you're putting Siakam in a tier by himself at the number five spot. Yeah, yes, yeah, Siakam number five, and then we're going. Before we had the Fred Van Vliet, Marcus Smart, uh, all grit tier. Has did they do anything to separate themselves? They're they're still in the same tier to me. Um, that makes sense. I, I do want to give Marcus Smart credit, but no, Fred, no, Marcus Smart made shots, and Fred Van Vliet did not. If this is going to be a normally ranking, Fred Van Vliet makes shots, and Marcus normal, Smart does not. This is a power ranking, so it's a, after one game. But here's the thing game. about power rankings. They're completely arbitrary, and it's what we're making of the rules of as we go along. They're so arbitrary, and also they, like, you never know, like, Which why the, 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 the person at the top stays at the top for a while. Like, the, the person at the top stays there. It takes a lot to... to to shift the rankings unless you just want to put okay. Kemba at the top. But for, okay, this is, this is how I'll settle it. They're going to be in the same tier at six and seven, but I'm putting Marcus smart at six and Van Vliet at seven. That's a good negotiation. I'm, I'm not sure that was a negotiation or just a, an alert. It. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we got eight, nine, 10. I believe last time this was Abaka Gasol, and I think I, I squeezed my man Danny two blocks in there, which feels a bit uh, a bit aggressive. But any changes to the last three spots? No, I think that I think that's right. Any nominees? Did anyone? Did Norm Powell surprise you with anything? Did uh, Robert Williams kind of make an entry? Brad Wanamaker, Philly legend. Anyone? Anyone making a, a OG? Ananobi had thir- thir- thirty three minutes, twelve points, efficient four for six. Any one of these guys better than the the three guys we mentioned? No. No. No, they're not. Let's do a quick power rankings of those three guys then. Abaka, Gasol, Tice. Let's power rank the King brothers. I can't tell your brother's voices apart. I liked Chris, but I was expecting more hot takes from Tommy based on his uh, Twitter presence and that everyone was just kind of reasonable, um, which was a little bit disappointing. We're a reasonable crew. We, I would uh, not say that. <laughs> I think we're a reasonable crew. <laughs> Here's the real question. What did your dad think of the episode? Your dad's one of uh, Anything is Potable's biggest fans. He must have been proud. Uh, he, he texted me. Hold on. I'll, I'll, I'll read the text on air. I just want to shout out uh, Mr. King right now for being one of Jam Packard's biggest supporters. But it, it must have been a cool moment for him to have three of his sons on the same recap pod he was probably mean, honestly, he was probably more upset that that you weren't <laughs> that I wasn't on there. Well, I hope he enjoyed it because I, I enjoyed the episode. If you didn't listen to anyone uh because I wasn't on it, that but thank you. But go back and listen to it. It was fun listening to three brothers talk Celtics. My father texted me, guys, and you did great job on anything as potable, and you were awesome on the 
basket butts. <laughs> That's a solid review. That is, it, it gave you everything you wanted. You were good, and you were good on basket butts. Yeah, I mean, I mean my, my father is a big supporter. Big supporter. If uh, He often leaves comments on my stories, too, which is great. How would you review your brother's performance on the podcast? Rank power, rank the two of them. I mean, I got to go me, number one. No, no. They're in the same tier, two, three. I didn't didn't ask you to do that. I knew you were going to rank yourself number one. I just want to ask you. Same tier, two, three. Tell me which one was better. Chris, happy birthday to him, right? Just turned 24. Just turned 24. That is correct. How old is Tommy? Tommy is... 31. Okay, so he's basically my age. I'd say I I couldn't tell either of you guys apart. There's one point I was tuning into the broadcast and I thought you were making a point. And then it was actually Chris. And then you jumped in and responded. My mind was exploded because it was very bizarre. Um, But (laughs) I thought it was great. I just, if next time Tommy jumps on the podcast, I want a little more hot takes. He used to be, to have some Twitter heat and I just wanted a little bit more from him. That's my one critique. It's so easy to bring the heat on Twitter because it's just it's just such a short little burst. But then when you actually have a conversation, you got nuance. I'm just asking what I'm think if I'm giving notes for uh, Sam Packard's Kaizen Academy of Podcasting. That's what Tommy needs to work on. Bring him a little bit more fire, a little bit like it doesn't have to be rational. Just just yell just something bling, into the mic. Bring it out there. Yeah, that's my one critique. Um, that's I, but I think I thought it was a great podcast, and I appreciate those guys filling in as the professional sports fan role on here. How'd you do on the LSATs? I don't know, but it was rough. Uh, <laughs> I'm probably gonna have to take those again because it was not fun. <laughs> How long not does that take? A good time to get my scores or take an LSAT? No, to take the LSAT itself. Uh, it's like two and a half hours. This is a shortened version because of like uh, COVID. It was only three sections, but two man, and a half hours. You're complaining yeah. about two and a half hours? I not not one point did I complain about the length of the test. I complained about how difficult it was. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if any fans of the podcast should know that I sometimes struggle with logic, which is the exact te- thing that this test is trying to uh, assess. So, um, you know what? Back to the drawing board. We'll have to uh, try to do it again. Hopefully, um, next time I take the test, I will not miss another uh, anything is potable broadcast. But if you like those uh, broadcasts, you can listen here on however you're listening to podcasts. We'll also be live on Periscope uh, after every single game. So tune in there. Uh, if you like uh, whatever J King's writing, go to theathletic.com slash anything is potable. If you're not ad- already a subscriber and subscribe there. And thank you for listening to this show and this episode of Anything is Potable.